Welcome to the She He We Awakening podcast. We are a wife and husband therapy team whose professional and personal lives are centered on psychology and spirituality. We love sharing what we've learned on our journey of becoming conscious through relationship, and we invite you to get to know us and hopefully hear in our stories something that can support you in your life too. Hello, my love. We meet again. Hello again. So today is part three, talking about emotional immaturity. Mm -hmm. There's so many things to say about that. Yes. And we're also going to, at the very end, we're going to talk about some very practical um, options for working with your feelings so that you uh, can be more emotionally mature. Right. So the next thing on our list for uh, characteristics of emotionally immature people. Uh, emotionally immature people focus on meeting the physical needs of their child or partner or loved one rather than the emotional needs of this person. So uh, these are the people who grow up in homes where you are fed and clothed and yet you had no um, alone time with your parents they didn't say I love you or very infrequently. There wasn't a lot of hugging or um, physical touch. And you got your basic like Maslow level one needs met. Right. Like your fundamental right. needs like were met. Right. And, and sometimes like, again, one of the characteristics of an emotionally mature person is that they are unpredictable. So there may have been times in which you got your emotional needs met, um, but not consistently and not predictably. And so you're always kind of chasing after what you think is going to work for you to get your emotional needs met. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like Maslow's pyramid with the top cut off, right? It's, it's incomplete development, incomplete psychological development. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. It makes me want to point out that, um, and maybe we should have said this prior to part three, but <laughs> here <Sorry> it is, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that when we're talking about emotional immaturity, we're not talking about um, a defect, mm -hmm. right? We're not talking about a psychological defect or there's something wrong with someone. Um, and we're certainly not talking about um, a scenario in which a person needs to be um, kind of coerced or explained into being more mature, that the hierarchy of needs really explains what's going on, as you put it, that, mm -hmm. that um, only their base level survival needs were really appreciated or attended to when they were young. And so the higher side of that pyramid of psychological development never really had a chance to develop all of the all of the um, psychological resources, the uh, libido, as Jungians would put it, mm -hmm. all of the libido energy was directed towards maintenance of basic survival in the psyche. And so that's yeah. where do I find food? Where do I find shelter? Um, where do I make sure um, I'm not going to be eaten by a wild animal? Um, basic safety and security stuff. Um, and so when that's the priority in childhood, where that that's where all of the resources are being directed, then then there just isn't really energy left in the psyche to to be directed towards emotional maturity. Right. Right. So the that's, very bottom is physiological needs. So it's a, mm -hmm. it's literally a pyramid where the bottom is the biggest need. Right. Right. Um, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. And above that is the safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Mm -hmm. Above that is love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Right. And if your parents did not have that middle, that's actually the middle of the pyramid, those, those were not met for them. They're going to have a hard time meeting them for their children 
Right. Yes. And, and I think the point I'm trying to make is that when we have somebody who, who doesn't have access to those things, it's not a defect. It's just that their life has been about the lower levels. Right. Yep. And yes, some of it is inherited. If, if that's the way our parents were, then that's the way that we likely are to be. Um, and so um, in order to be able to even begin moving into the development of emotional maturity, everything we're talking about, that's great information, mm -hmm. but it also needs to be honored that um, the system needs to be assured that these more foundational levels are in place. Right. So a lot of uh, poor families where parents are working two and three jobs just to meet the physiological needs of their children, the ability of those families to meet the needs that are higher, including um, love and belonging, esteem, which is respect, self-esteem, recognition, strength, and freedom, and the very top, which is self-actualization, being able right. to, to be the most that you can be and know who you are. Right. Yeah, those are not going to be possible for some families. Right. Yes. And, and sometimes um, the development is um, sort of retarded based on the reality of the situation, like you use an example of it's a, because it's convenient and often true. If families are without resources, this is what happens, but that's not universally true. It's not just a, a money and resource thing, right? There are, there are families and I'm just, I know, you know, this, I'm, I'm making, helping to make this clear to, to others that, that there, there is such a thing as families with very limited financial resources who are sort of barely surviving who who uh, in that family the parents are incredibly kind and loving and emotionally mature and True. conversely there are parents who um or families where there's plenty of resources and yet still there's tons of emotional immaturity right. um so regardless of what the actual situation is it's it's really about what the system is perceiving so the family system uh the personal biological mental psychological system right okay. so so somebody can have money in the bank and still be um mm. worried 24 hours a day about their safety and well-being sure yeah right and not have enough space because of the worry not have enough emotional space right. to be able to be with themselves in a right. deeper way right yeah. so um, yes so so in this in this situation um what will often happen is like i said there's kind of a unpredictability of uh having your emotional needs met sometimes you do sometimes you don't there's often a family pattern of you have to be sick or injured to have your emotional needs met and then there's a lot of uh, compassion and empathy but if you're not sick or injured, the attitude is suck it up. And this is hard. Like life is hard. You're, you right. gotta be tough to make it through. Right. And, yeah. and so people don't know that they can be emotional and still go do a thing. <laughs> right. Right. Like right. either or. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, how to be with this within yourself. Do you want to take that role? Um, <laughs> which one do you want to be today <laughs> what's the what's the topic again <laughs> um focus on physical needs over emotional needs being high, overly focused on those base needs in the sure. maslow's hierarchy of needs which right. i'll link to um yeah well i i think being with this uh maybe that's what i was sort of incidentally pointing towards is 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 the first thing is that I think honoring that, that that foundation of the pyramid does actually have to be in place. Mm. So if you're with someone who is exhibiting a lot of emotional immaturity and, and they genuinely do not have basic physiological needs that are met, um, you're asking too much of them to, mm -hmm. to say, 
you know, you need to grow up. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. it's just honoring, I think, the reality of that. Now, that's not most people. It's it's just it's not most people in this country. It's certainly not most people who are listening to this. Mm. Um, it's not most people who the people listening to this would be in relationship with. Most most mm. people do have those basic needs met. So then, so then I think the next step in terms of being with this is recognizing that um, just because they have those things or seem to have those things in objective reality does not mean that their psyche perceives it that way it, it doesn't mean that that's the inner reality that they're living in they may be living in a constant state of terror um around uh you know becoming homeless the next day even though they have a steady consistent good paying job um and have for for 20 years um that that um that regression into emotional immaturity is coupled with usually these, these sorts of fears about basic things, basic needs not being met. Right. And that yeah. that's really what's going on. It's, it's a regression into um, the lower dimensions of that pyramid of needs. Yeah, and, and it will run through family systems. So in, on my mother's side of the family, my grandparents were raised during the depression and so their basic needs were not met and they developed emotional coping strategies to deal with their basic needs not being met. Um, things like denial, um, toxic positivity, for lack of a better word, just like mm. slap a smile on, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and those are the kind of strategies that they taught all of their children, including my mom. And so my mom actually inherited some of those coping strategies and also the fears related to not having the those basic needs met sure. and so before i did therapy i also had those fears uh no, there's not going to be enough money mm -hmm. i'm not going to be able to take care of my kids um where's the food coming from these are things that i've never had to worry about in my child in actuality but sort of inherited the the theme of it through yeah. the parenting style that was was passed down right right the generations yeah the the messaging that you mentioned um is is really powerful so i think that points to another way to be with this um is to do an exploration of um the the messaging and the belief systems that are operating when you are feeling yourself dragged into um, one of these regressive states. Um, mm. You know, when you feel the emotional immaturity coming up or, or maybe even after the fact when there's been, you know, a, a, what's the word? <laughs> edit number one. <laughs> time, check, time check, edit number one. When there has been you know, some source of difficulty in the relationship that has triggered you and, and both sides got into emotional immaturity, the analysis after the fact, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at that and going, okay, what, what was operating? What was the truth that I seemed to be stuck in, in that moment? What is, what does it want to say? You know, um, so you, you give a good example, belief system of, well, well, life is hard. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes in these arguments or, you know, stressors in relationship, the beliefs will just speak themselves, totally. right? Mm -hmm. People will just throw out a statement, um, trying to win an argument with a statement. And what they've really done is just blurt up out of their subconscious, some operating system, uh, you know, uh, error, <laughs> that right. some, some false belief that that's still governing their psyche like life is hard or you can't have, you know, you can't have everything you want or, you know, you just have to suck it up sometimes or, you know, whatever the statement might be. These are things that have been programmed into us and becoming aware of what those are, I think is, is essential. Yes. So being with this within yourself, you could literally take that Maslow's hierarchy of needs and think about your childhood, 
for example, and which of those uh, levels did you feel you your needs were met? And you could kind of rank it like mm-hmm. always met, sometimes met, never met, that kind of thing. And that'll reveal to you a lot about how you might be reacting and responding in your everyday life now. Right. That'd be a good clue. Um, and you could think about family messaging around um, money, physical needs, food, connection. These are the things that partners fight about all the time. They're fighting about basic uh, needs a lot, right. <laughs> actually. <laughs> These are the arguments that keep people coming back to um, couples counseling. Mm-hmm. Same kind of, the Gottman Institute calls them these unsolvable issues. Um, I think they're only unsolvable if you don't have consciousness around them. Mm-hmm. You don't know why they're there. Once you do, then it, they cease to be a problem. So yeah, if you are noticing within yourself that you are more focused on meeting your physical needs over your emotional needs, or you're more focused on meeting someone else's physical needs than emotional needs, then that's something to look at and begin to understand, you know, why do I feel this way? Why am I so focused on this? What um, needs to be resolved so that I can begin to meet someone's emotional needs or meet my own emotional needs in a higher way? You ready for the next one? Let's do it. Okay. So emotional, emotionally immature people uh, can be killjoys. Hmm. So uh, they find it really hard to be excited for other people. They can be dismissive or skeptical or um, just overall negative about things. So you come to them and say, hey, I got this great new job. And like the first thing they're asking you is, well, are you actually going to make more money? You're going to make less money or like, basically, how are you going to get like, I want to, I want to say like an obscenity, but like, how are you going to get fucked over right. in this new thing that you're like right. totally excited right. about? They're right. always We're, looking for that. Yeah. And it's perfectly consistent with what we just talked about. It's, it's being stuck in the, the lower half of this pyramid, um, where that's the energy, the the personal psychic energy is sort of obsessed with those levels. And so as somebody else seems to be rising above that, it's it's not really possible for the 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 other person to appreciate or process that. Um, everything that they view is is and see is viewed through the lens of um, well, what about these foundational needs? Mm-hmm. So, right. So, so yes, they're a killjoy because joy itself is not a a physiologic essential, Mm. right? It doesn't fit into those Mm. lower two categories of the pyramid. Um, It's uh, yes, you can make an argument. It's actually not even on this list. (laughs) That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly make a spiritual or, or even psychological argument for, well, no, laughter is essential. Yes, it, it, it certainly is essential for happiness and for thriving. But yeah. for the sake of what we're talking about here, it's not an essential need. It's not, it's not food. You can't laugh your way out of starvation, right? right? You can't laugh yourself warm if you're stuck in the freezing cold because you don't have a home. Right. So it's, it's, it's not an essential ingredient at these lower levels. So, um, Yes, it's difficult, I think, for some people to um, to process that. They, they just revert immediately to the safety and security levels. Right. Yeah. Um, how to be with this. Again, it's the same. It's just recognizing when you're in relationship with someone else who's like shooting down your every joyful moment. Um, of course, take care of yourself set a boundary if you feel you need to say hey have you noticed that every time i tell you something great about my life <laughs> you tell me that why it's really bad yeah um, and you can have conversations with it but also even more helpful is understanding that this is a product of someone else's fear exactly it's not a product of someone wanting to be vicious to you right it's most of the time i'm sure there are some times when people are just angry or contemptuous and they act out 
in this right. way. Um, and then being with it yourself, um, when you find yourself being the killjoy, do you have any advice for that, that moment? Suppose grow Cut up. It it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's breaking, asshole. breaking, breaking our own rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the temptation, right? Right. Um, but you know, that's that's not really helpful. Um, yeah. Because that's be with your own feelings. Yeah. Um, Same as always, of course. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about so it's it's tools based now we're talking about how to be with this we're going to give some tools at yes the at the end yes okay so the next um example of a emotionally mature characteristic is emotionally mature people don't experience mixed emotions they will usually uh, articulate and feel one emotion predominantly and it's usually in a very small spectrum mm-hmm. uh, most people will identify maybe three or four emotions that they know that they feel sad, angry, and sometimes happy and anxiety. I mean, these are the ones that people come to. (laughs) Sometimes they'll throw guilt in there. Um, But there's only a very like minimal spectrum of emotions that people allow themselves to feel. And when they're having an emotional experience, they'll say, I'm angry or I, I, you're making me angry, or you're making me sad, or, or I feel guilty. Um, but they can't um, experience several emotions at once. Right. Like if you come to them and say, um, I just got a new job offer, and it means that I'm going to be working longer hours, but I'm going to get much more money. Um, if they feel something about that, they can't either feel happy They'll feel either happy for you or upset about some, in some way how it affects them, but they can't articulate, oh, I'm really happy for you. And also I feel a little bit um, insecure about this because it's going to mean that we have less time together. Sure. They don't know how to be with emotions that seem to be um, contrary to one another. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 I think black and white emotional processing. It's, it's, mm. um, limited emotional bandwidth um right having having a large emotional uh processing bandwidth or access to a broad color palette of emotion is um you could consider that a luxury right if we're talking again about this hierarchy of needs um that's that's a luxury that adds color and nuance to life um and and being emotionally immature, being more confined to um, the realm of, of living in fear or basic needs not being met or being concerned that they're not being met. Um, there just isn't a lot of uh, color variety mm-hmm. at those levels. Things, things are either good or bad. This either um, helps keep me safe or does not. Right. Black and white thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Black and white, in this case, black and white feeling. We've previously talked about black and white thinking, and I think we're going to bring it up again here um, in a moment. But, but I think the the point here is that people can be black and white thinkers, but have emotional maturity and be, have a colorful emotional palette. What we're talking about here is people who were that, that, that black and white quote thinking is really more of a, a black and white orientation towards their own um, feeling system, right? It's 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 either yes, no, it, it's good, bad. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting that you said that. I don't know that I've met anyone who was a black and white thinker who wasn't also a black and white feeler. But that's, mm. that's super interesting. Just because of the rigidity and narrowness, they seem to go along with each other, thinking and feeling. Yeah, I think I think it's likely that they often do. Mm. Um, I, I guess I would have to um, I'd have to sit with that longer and see if I could think of examples in myself or in people I've worked yeah. with. Uh, you know, the time frame for when I was a black and white thinker was my teenage years, and mm-hmm. I was 
I definitely could not experience multiple feelings at once Mm. and everything was uh, self-oriented. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my boyfriend started at the time started smoking pot and that felt hugely threatening to me. And I immediately broke up with him. (laughs) Like I was just so black and white, like drugs are wrong. This is unsafe. I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. We're done. That kind of Mm. processing. Mm-hmm. Um, how to be with this? It's kind of the same, I guess. Yeah, it's really I, the same. I think it's the tools that we'll provide here. Okay, we'll skip yeah. to the end there and talk about that. Um, so I'm going to group a couple of different qualities together um, because they're very similar. Emotionally immature people have oversimplified thinking to cope with their own childhood repression or judgmental environment. Um, So if you grew up in an environment where complex ideas and emotions were not allowed, you will have the coping strategy of uh, keeping things very um, simple in your own head. Mm -hmm. Because when you think big, then you get punished or criticized or made fun of. Um, When aroused, or triggered they, psychologically aroused psychologically aroused yeah. they will struggle with conceptual thinking get very rigid it's the kind of mm-hmm. um, i mean the first thing that comes to mind is um well why can't i do that mom because i said so right <laughs> like i right. don't have the emotional bandwidth to have yeah. a whole debate yeah. with you right now because yep. i said so so it becomes right. a very minimal uh conversation mm-hmm. And um, emotionally immature folks are very literal thinkers. So um, they'll often, when you get together with them or when you're speaking to them, they'll talk about facts and things that happened rather than concepts and ideas. So it's that kind of shallow conversation style that people have when they're afraid of their feelings and afraid to be intimate Mm -hmm. and vulnerable, where they'll give you a litany of like, everything that's happened to them in the last week and you feel filled in, but not closer to them. And they think it's caught up with you. It's like, Oh, we just had a nice catch up. And you're like, that was just an itinerary of what you did. Right. It's just a recitation of, of events that have transpired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just too, it's too emotionally challenging for them to, um, talk about the things that they felt or experienced at a deeper level Mm. over the the conversation. And lastly, um, people who are emotionally uh, immature will have favorite topics that they know a lot about. And there's a lot of over intellectualizing (laughs) about the topic or kind of an obsession about a certain topic, but it becomes like a a rant or um, a soapbox moment mm-hmm. where they're just doing like a speech or a spiel and you're just sitting there like, okay, now I know everything about, you know, the Ukrainian war. Um, but you don't, they don't ever ask you to, well, what have you learned and, and experienced? Right. And what do you think about this? It's a one-way street. Yeah. It's not an exchange of ideas. It's, it's, it's the common denominator is that they're, their movements are restrictive. Their, their psychic movements are restrictive, not expansive. Um, it's, it's all about maintaining um, the safety and confinement of sort of being in a small, comfortable space, right? In the way that, um, you know, wild animals have a, a, a den, right? A, a small, dark hole, <laughs> right? Dug into the earth that, that they climb into for, yep. to feel safe and warm. It's, that's what's happening emotionally. And so anything that would um, bring expansion or potential of newness um, or broaden horizons is threatening in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think it's, it's what I find funny is that I always hear people say this. I really want to have deep conversations, even the mm-hmm. ones who like are doing this. There's really like a natural hunger inside of us to have 
more meaningful conversations and to talk about concepts and ideas. But when there's so much material inside that hasn't been felt and dealt with, it becomes a, a risk for the person uh, because wherever you go, there's some kind of little wound and there people are too afraid to start to um, go to those wounds because they're going to cry or they're right. going to get angry or yeah. gonna, something emotional will happen and they will, won't feel safe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I think that um, a way uh, to be with this in yourself is to recognize when there's a temptation to to flee into that intellectual black and white and to explain what's happening in your experience from the level of um facts, facts exactly mm -hmm. from the level of facts and and it keep it about the topic like that favorite topic whatever it might be um and argue those points um when what's really needed for that to begin to shift is is to be able to sort of pull back from that and and recognize that what's actually going on is i'm afraid right and sometimes just saying that opens everything yep can be life-changing because mm -hmm. now you're now you're actually talking about the problem right the problem is not that particular politician or that particular ideology or these things that happened in the world. It's not masks, it's not vaccines, it's not the war, it's I'm afraid. And yeah. now you can begin exploring mm. that. I'm thinking about uh, there's, you know, every now and then we'll have a person who comes in and they've had a lot of um, therapy, talk therapy. Mm -hmm. They can tell you about the most tragic sounding experiences and it's like they're reading mm -hmm. the newspaper right i mean they're so detached and so disconnected and so unemotional about all of it and sometimes that's a sign that a person has done a lot of healing mm. and has actually felt a lot of things um but i find that more often it's, it's somebody who's intellectualized their trauma and it's just, yes. it's just reading it off. Like, oh, let me roll back the, you know, the Rolodex to all of the things that, what does the therapist want me to talk about? Oh yeah, let me talk about these 10 events that happened in my life again. And they just go into an autopilot kind of conversation style about mm -hmm. the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, okay. So do you want to move into the tools? Sure. Or some concepts about tools, really? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so you and I sat down and we thought about uh, three kind of categories of emotional um, tools. Thing, th what to do when you are feeling something yes. and you want to help the feeling and the energy move. Good. And so the three categories that we came up with. One of them is a more of a somatic style of processing or a feminine style. Um, the second one is an observant style of processing or a more masculine style. And then there's kind of a mixed group where it's not overtly somatic or observant. So do you wanna talk about the masculine style first? Um, sure. Yeah. Yes. So, so one of the ways to begin developing emotional maturity, that's what we're talking about here. We say these are yes. tools, what we're talking about are um, practices, tools, exercises that begin to develop the capacity for more complex, colorful, emotional experience, um, more mature, nuanced relationship to your own feelings more less black and white right um mm -hmm. more more gray area uncertainty nuanced or or simultaneity of multiple emotions that kind of thing um building the capacity for that so um a more quote masculine approach um caveat of course that this does not mean only men or more male oriented. Um, right, it's not about it, gender. 
right? If, if people haven't heard us talk about this, masculine just means masculine energy, which is more um, mental or more, more about um, consciousness and, and awareness and um, uh, perception uh, from, a, from a place of, of um, the mind as opposed mm -hmm. to the body. <clears throat> so, um, so meditation is a no brainer. Yeah. Um, right. When, when, when struggling with emotional, uh, energy, um, sitting and taking that emotional energy into meditation and, and being the observer, staying in the place of the observer and allowing that emotional energy, all of the, the feelings and their fear associations and the belief systems that are connected to them. It's sort of like allowing all of those things to sort of float past your field of awareness uh, in the same way that clouds pass through the sky, yeah. right? So the, the masculine perspective is one of, um, I am the sky. That's why the gods of the sky are male figures um, in mythology. So if you can hold the perspective of awareness, that is, I am the sky, I am this field of awareness, I am this place of perception, and you can treat the feelings and the fears, no matter how uncomfortable they are, as these fleeting things that are, that are passing through, mm -hmm. um, then that creates some distance between us and our emotion. And so we recognize that we can have emotions without being consumed by them. Yes. In the same way that um, you can have the worst of all possible storms. I mean, you can have a, a hurricane, right? Moving through the Atlantic Ocean, but nobody worries that the hurricane is going to destroy the sky. Mm-hmm right? That's not a thing. That's, that's yeah. impossible. Um, the sky is there remaining perfectly intact and the hurricane is just moving through the sky. And so we can take that same concept into meditation and become aware that these emotions and these fears are they're not the sky, they're, they're just the clouds, the hurricane, the rain, the thunder, mm -hmm. the lightning, um, and that they always do pass through. So they, they can't be us. So that's the more, that's the more masculine approach. Yes. Uh, that is like kind of the Buddhist style of um, seeing emotions and thoughts as simply phenomena arising out of emptiness and dissipating back into emptiness right and so um there's a million resources to begin to meditate I and mean, we can talk about that at some future point sure. but there's lots and lots you can google you can look up on youtube and find resources on vipassana style meditation buddhist style meditation um, and I'm not remembering, I have a video actually on a really great style of meditation where you systematically work through, you begin with saying, I am not my foot, I am not my leg, mm -hmm. I am not my X, Y, and Z. And you go through the whole body and then you go through all of the thoughts and what you're left with is sky or, or spaciousness. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what that's called, but I will find it and link it. Um, right. as a meditation that people can try great and also um, masculine style processing could be your typical traditional talk therapy therapy yeah especially you know like cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. um, logic logic is associated again with the masculine um, not, not with men with masculine energy um, and so anything that has a logic orientation um, mm -hmm. and there are cognitive behavioral approaches that are um, something to the effect of, okay, I'm feeling all of this fear and anxiety rising up within me and it makes me want to lash out 
um, and there's a movement into emotional immaturity. Uh, I can feel the tantrum coming on. I can feel the rigidness. I want to climb back into my hole and, mm -hmm. and just stick with the black and white thinking. And you can literally just stop and, and look around the room and go, is, is there an actual threat to my safety here? Yep. That's just using logic and perception. Um, and, and there's a grounding of, of yourself in reality and the reality of the moment, bringing the energetic system, bringing the psyche back into the present, which is that I, whatever may have happened before and whatever programming might be present right now, it is illogical to be in a state of fear. There is nothing threatening here. There's no right. indications that um, my partner's going to leave me or that there's, <laughs> or that my employer is not happy with my performance or that grocery stores are going to shut down. Um, mm -hmm. That all of that is just made up. It's a story. Um, so is, Spock is the, uh, <laughs> is the character here. Um, for, for people who are Star Trek fans, Trekkies. Yes. Um, Spock is the very logic-oriented Vulcan. Um, their whole society has um, emphasized logic over emotion. Um, yeah, and the risk of, of this approach to your... I'll talk about the risk of the feminine approach too, because I'm mm -hmm. very well aware of that. The risk of the masculine approach is that people tend to logic themselves out of feeling the energy and allowing it to move. And then the feelings become suppressed and you yeah, get this, I, you get this person who comes in to do therapy and it's like, here are all the things that I've been feeling, but they don't actually have any connection to them. Right. I mean, I, I think the risk we can just generically throw out is being one dimensional. Right. Right. Sure. I mean, that's why we keep saying, you know, when we say masculine and feminine, we're not talking about men and women because men and women are both half masculine and half feminine in their psyche. Right. And both of those need to be appreciated and honored and accessed and developed and, and, and uh, worked with. And so, um, yeah, the risk is being one dimensional when you are not a one dimensional being. Right. There's yeah. been time, a time and a place for all of these tools that we're going to talk about. Um, I've found myself in a more masculine place lately than feminine, ironically. So um, have to make sure, like, I only have 12 minutes left before I have to jump on. Okay, let's zoom. wrap it up. So feminine processing would be things like um, having body work. Um, massage, um, having someone hold you when you're feeling sad or angry or whatever. Um, so neurological co-regulation. Um, breath work is something that is somatic and more feminine. Um, movement practices like, um, I talked a little bit about it in the group. Uh, when you're feeling something moving through you, you can do a movement, you can um, do a stretch or you can dance or you can go for a run or you can do something where you're actually feeling the feeling and moving your body through the feeling. Um, art, creating art. Um, a lot of artists are incredible artists because they are using their art to reveal themselves and reveal their emotions. Um, and you don't have to be a good tech, technical artist to create incredible art if you are willing to pour yourself onto the canvas or into the sculpture or whatever. Um, poetry is a, one of the main ways that I have worked with my feelings over the last three or four years, almost four years actually. Um, I've absolutely um, revealed myself over and over and I don't even, it's not like I'm like, I'm feeling sad today. I'm going to make a sad poem. No, typically what happens is, is I'm feeling some kind of way. I don't know what it is. And I just begin to um, write words and see where the words take me. And by the end of the poem, I'm usually like, oh, wow, I feel so much better that getting that out. 
um, active imagination. Uh, do you want to talk about active imagination? Well, that's just a, a kind of generic term um, that, that you've actually already described. The way that you work with poetry is active imagination. It's allowing the feelings to come through as, as in a creative process as poetry. Um, you could do the same thing with painting, sculpture, but but you can also do it with with play or dialogue. You can you can sit down and and write, um, have a conversation um, with the feelings and the immaturity that's coming up, mm -hmm. um, and then you can, from your adult logic place, you can, you know, say, well, what's going on? What what are you feeling? What do I need to know? Some people will even switch hands, and then write from the perspective of the feelings. Um, that's a form of active imagination. Um, so uh, you can, yeah. you know- Guided you can meditation is another one. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, guided meditations are great. Um, you, can, um, you, can, you can tune into what age you feel like when the feelings come up and then figure out um, what did you, like to do when you were that age what helped you feel safe and secure um mm -hmm. carl jung is famous for when he was in the midst of what he thought was his mental breakdown um he got through it by going into his backyard and building um forts essentially yes <laughs> he built built a little city um he would he would play in the in the mud essentially with rocks and sticks and and build things um, because that was the, the, the creative, um, impulse of the particular age, at, at which those, um, emotional needs weren't met. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, this, uh, guided meditations, you can find a million guided meditations and a lot of them will help you release emotion or talk, talk to parts of yourself that you need to hear from. These are all ways to work with feelings. Um, they're really beneficial, uh, all of that, all of that feminine style of processing are really helpful for people who got the message when they were young that feelings were not okay or certain feelings were not okay mm -hmm. because they literally give a voice to the feelings and help you integrate them and understand them. Mm -hmm. And they help the physical body process the feelings. A lot of people, when they do strictly a, a, a masculine approach, they don't actually get the feelings out of their body. It's just, it's kind of neatly sorted in their mind into categories of this right. was abuse and this was neglect. Right. Um, but the feelings are still not really moving and they don't have a good relationship to the, to the feelings themselves. Mm -hmm. The, the harm, potential harm of feminine processing um, is that you can get very carried away in it. I mean, you literally can process your feelings infinitely right. because you have them infinitely. So that's where a masculine approach helps to where you can really start to understand, okay, here comes the wave of fear, but why am I afraid? Let me think about this for a moment. Right. Once you begin, once you really trust yourself to have the feeling and you know that you can do the wave, then you can begin to, or then it, it can be helpful to begin to look at it from a masculine perspective of like, oh, there goes the wave again. Instead of riding it, you see it in the distance, right? watching it go by. Right. And, and I think that's a great analogy. It's the masculine perspective would recognize that I don't have to ride every wave. Yep. Sometimes I can just watch sit it. on the beach <laughs> and <laughs> watch the ocean do what it does. And that's yeah. fine too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it really helps to, to have tools in both categories. Mm -hmm. And then finally, in the last few minutes that we have, um, there's kind of mixed uh, processing strategies mm -hmm. like um, journaling is, can be kind of a mixed process because you are, uh, describing the feelings and it is somatic you're using your hand and it's very physical to do this but it also requires you to be a little bit stepped back from the feelings sometimes right um, so you can analyze them and understand them mm 
logically. Um, and also, um, when you do some guided meditations, you can be more calm and watching things be released, like um, you and I do a lot of uh, hypnotherapy using light to wash through things. And people are generally pretty much in that spacious sky energy while they're under trance, just watching things dissolve. They're not so much swimming in the water as sitting on the beach, watching things be resolved. So even uh, cellular release therapy and other forms of hypnotherapy can be more of a mixed style of processing and very helpful. Yeah. And I do um, regularly in my office, a, a mixed form um, of psychosomatic um, processing that um, I, I can actually do. I'll record a meditation um, and share that okay. as well. So that would be super good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's just a few um, strategies for helping yourself to become more emotionally mature. I mean, really, it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple that you begin to feel your feelings and it allows you to become more conscious and aware when you're not trying to run away or suppress your feelings. It takes a lot of energy to hide from feelings it actually takes less energy to feel them. So because it requires less energy, you have more energy for being attuned to others and, and being more present in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we're gonna put up one meditation from you, at least one meditation from me, maybe more. We'll put up a bunch of links in the, the comments of this post. So people will have a number of tools that they can try when they're feeling some things. Wonderful. Okay. All right, that's, that's a wrap. All for now. <laughs> okay. See you soon, everybody. Bye.